0: Get ready to grip it and rip it.
1: All right, let's move on. we got golfers waiting.
0: Dedicated to bringing better golf to America, this is t to green the golf show.
2: Talking golf coast to coast across America on the Sports Byline, USA Radio Network, and around the world on the American Forces Network, this is t to green the golf show, Jay Ritchie, and Jerry Blutinoff. From the five-star Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the home of the 2018 U.S. Senior Open, less than two years away. Hello, fellow golfers. Thanks for joining us on the big show today. Olympic golf, just a couple of weeks away from the return of golf to the summer games for the first time in 112 years. Rio de Janeiro hosting, and that city has a brand spanking new golf course, a par 71 designed by an American design company, Hans Associates, headed up by Gil Hans. A few years ago, Hans got the bid. Not long after that, we got Gil Hans. He paid us a visit. We went back into the Tee to Green archives, and we'll hear some of that interview with Gil Hans today here on Tee to Green. Before that, kind of a fun segment for you. You know, other than... Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson, the other big winner from last week's Great British Open, was Andrew Johnston, the 27-year-old European player affectionately known to his fans there as Beef. Cries of Beef rung out all over the golf course last week. He finished in the top ten, and he was so popular that now Beef has a song written about him by an Irish band, sung by an Irish band, the Corrigan Brothers, gotta love the beef it's a takeoff on an old depeche mode song you just can't get enough and we'll hear gotta love the beef and more today on tea degree it's early sunday morning the sun is coming up i'm on the tea at seven i'm here to try my luck Now you can hear Tita Green on iHeartRadio for iPhone and Android. Get the app at iHeartRadio.com. Search for Tita Green. Follow us on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay in touch 24-7, iHeartRadio.com slash talk. Jay and Jerry teeing it up worldwide on American Forces Radio, coast to coast on the Sports Byline USA Radio Network.
0: iHeartRadio, an app so powerful it holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists, thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com.
7: Did you hear Ron Barr's interviews with the biggest names in sports last week? Now there's a way to make sure you never miss hearing from your favorite player. Sign up for the Sports Byline USA podcast and never miss a show. With podcasting, we deliver the greatest names in the game directly to your computer every day, automatically. Just go to sportsbyline.com and click on the Get Podcast button and never miss another show. Visit sportsbyline.com today.
2: are your number one source for golf news and entertainment on the radio and America's longest-running network radio golf show. You found it. Look no further. It's Tee to Green from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Jay Ritchie, Jerry Butnoff, Scott Cuddy, and Master Control. Welcome in. Welcome back. Great to be back with you on another big Sunday. Right kind of smack dab in the middle of summer here and lots of golf everywhere these days and lots of buzz still in the golf and world jerry from that fantastic tournament last week uh, known as the open the 145th british open and that duel between henrik stenson and phil nicholson was uh, something to see wasn't
8: it? it was that was a pretty good theater um you know 10 birdies in the final round of a major we may never see that again i mean that's what stenson threw up there and uh you know, uh, Phil is like, okay, you shoot a bogey, free, bogey free 66 and lose ground. Yeah. And uh, I tell you that that putt that Stenson made on 15 from just off the uh, collar there, uh, the 50 footer. Uh, I mean, that was pretty much that was the dagger. Uh, pretty much the sealed the deal. And then you know, he just sort of topped it off at the end. Yeah. With that uh, curling in that one that kind of fell in the side door on 18 too, but uh, you know, good for him. He's a fellow that both of us have liked for a long time. Yes. And as and, and much uh, as
2: I hated to see Phil lose, like I was rooting for him, like most people in America were. But uh, you got to hand it to Stenson. Yeah,
8: you know, he's he's been overdue. Uh, you know, he's he's been in you know a boatload of top fives in uh, in major competitions and uh, finally broke through and and good for him. Uh, well deserved. And how nice, we've, we've been
2: saying for 15 years, we get one of these days we're going to get a, a tournament where two really solid, great golfers both bring their A game and go head-to-head. Hasn't happened too much, but we saw that a week ago.
8: Yeah, and, of course, they had pretty much lapped the field already yeah. heading into the day, and, and uh, when they both uh, went out in about three under in the first five or six holes, any chance that anybody had from behind yeah. wasn't going to happen. So... Uh, you know, the coverage kind of really focused on the two of them, of course, and you saw every shot. Every shot. It was
2: great. And there was no controversy at the end. Yes. No rulings and no penalties handed out at the end, and it just was just was so good for golf. And one of the other neat things to come out of that was maybe the debut of, of a new uh, sort of every man star in golf. We're talking about Andrew Johnston, the 29, 27-year-old Englishman, who affectionately is known as Beef. He was called Beefhead in his younger days. He's 5'9", weighs about 215, and Beef and the big beard that he has just kind of fits, doesn't it?
8: Yeah, he kind of looked like he was right out of one of those uh, Alaskan uh, reality shows <laughs> yeah. that are all over television and everything now. and. Uh... He could have fit in nice in that movie, uh, The Revenant. He, he looked like a lot of the characters in <laughs> yeah, there with the yeah. thick beard and everything. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's good for golf to have a, a character like that and who's out there. And, and you can tell how much fun he was having, both with his play, which was outstanding, and you know, the reaction that he got from everybody the entire week there.
2: Yeah, he's got some game. He finished eighth in the British Open, and now we're looking forward to his next appearance. I think he's playing in the PGA Championship as well. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But, not uh,
8: sure if, if that q- qualified yeah. him there or but not. He, but
2: he's so um, popular. There's a Irish band called the Corrigan Brothers. they obviously big fans of the group Depeche Mode, and the Depeche Mode song just can't get enough. The Corrigan Brothers have reworked that song. And here it is. It's called Gotta Love the Beef. And this will be going through your head the rest of the day today, I promise. Or maybe I apologize in advance for that. (laughs) But anyway, here are the Corrigan Brothers. Gotta love the beef for Andrew Johnston.
9: Just to get him gone. Oh, we all love this that, that they call the gotta love the beef. You 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 gotta love the beef. beef. His biggest fan is Summer. She is Andrew's niece. She calls him Uncle Beef. I'm Uncle Beef. She cracks him up when she shouts, really you're so sweet. Come on, Uncle Beef. Come on, Uncle Beef. He's brave and bold and he's in gold. Oh, you really got to love this guy called Beef. You gotta love the beef, 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 you gotta love the beef. Be the chief, you gotta love the beef, you gotta love the beef. The fans are smiling, and we're all enjoying. You gotta love the beef, you gotta love the beef. He needs to keep on just to get him going. Oh, we all love this, that, that they call the gotta love the beef, you gotta love
2: You got to love the what, Jerry, was that? <laughs> Did you get all that?
8: You know, um, <laughs> they repeat that quite a bit at the end there. Do you remember the... Um, <laughs> Those uh, are the Corrigan brothers and you got to love the beef. <laughs> uh, the grand funk song, uh, Closer to Home, where they... Uh, I'm getting closer to yeah. my home. I, that that runs off for like 20 different re- repetitions at the end. And, and the, I think that was maybe topped it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the was beef. that a hit for Depeche Mode? That I, song, you no, know, I, don't I know. Never, never really musically. I that Depeche just, Mode was never mu- big musically. On my that air. the whole little all synthesizer stuff was never really my thing.
2: Yeah, you gotta love the beef, Uncle Beef. That's Andrew Johnson, the 27-year-old English pro golfer who plays primarily on the European Tour, known affectionately as the Beef. Since his younger days, he's carried the nickname into his pro career. And uh, you know, golf needs an every man type of guy. I think uh, John Daly kind of filled that role for a long time. But he kind of wore out his welcome with a lot of people yeah. uh, because of his antics on and off the course. And maybe the the beef is going to be the next guy to fill that everyday role in professional golf. If he can continue the success and the play that he showed last week in the British Open.
8: Yeah, it'll, it'll have interesting to, to watch him to see how he... Uh... You know, rolls forward with this. Uh, I mean, obviously, something like this uh, for most uh, golfers or, or athletes, you know, is a confidence booster. Yeah, and that sort of thing. So, um, and I mean, it, got, it'd be interesting to see how he performs now in the rest of the season and next year, especially. If
2: he's got a good agent. He'll be able to cash in on the nickname. I mean, you know. Uh,
8: you suppose that song is... I'm sure
2: there's a couple of hamburger joints. Are they, ham- wear, are they, are they joints wearing
8: that, out that song over in the British Isles this week? I I don't know.
2: There's a couple of hamburger joints that might uh, want to get him as a, as a spokesman. There you go. <laughs> Gotta love he the beef. He can be the
8: new face of McDonald's Europe.
2: Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, there could be some big bucks ahead uh, in, the, uh, in the world of advertising for Andrew Beef Johnston, born February 18th, 1989. Well, Hopefully see the beef soon and we won't be able to hear that song again soon. (laughs) But anyway, Gil Hans, Hans Associates, they designed the course they'll be playing Olympic golf on in Rio de Janeiro in a couple of weeks. And we had him on the show a few years back. We're going to hear some of that interview up next and in our next two segments here on Tee to Green. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us.
7: financing is easy with your credit card or paypal credit call now 1-800-427-0183 1-800-427-0183 that's 1-800-427-0183 1-800-427-0183
4: there's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball oh
5: boy well i'm afraid to ask (laughs) well what is it
1: what's the other theory
0: grip it and rip it The Broadmoor continues to stand in the forefront of world-class facilities, amenities, and service, combining modern comfort and convenience with an elegant charm of the past.
4: Good morning. My name is Mark Kelbel. I'm the head golf professional at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. Today I want to talk to you about course strategy, course management, club selection. Your lie will dictate everything. If you've got a good lie, your expectations can go up, and so can your options. Having said this, I want you to advance the ball. If that means you have the best chance of advancing a 7-iron over a 3-wood, hit the 7-iron. Golf is about momentum. Keep advancing the ball. Assess the lie first. Pick out a club that you know you can hit down the fairway where you can find it and hit it
2: again to a more manageable part on the golf course. For more on hitting the ball better, check out the website, tdegreenradio.com or visit your nearest PGA professional. The show by golfers for golfers. It's Tee to Green, Jay Ritchie, Jerry Butenoff from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Golf for better or worse... On the horizon here, getting ready to return to the Olympic Games for the first time in 104 years. The return of golf to the Games has been a decade or more in the making, Jerry. It was back in 2009 at an IOC meeting that golf won its place on trial for the 2016 and 2020 Games. After Rio was awarded the Games for this year, it became clear the return of golf was not going to be easy. Rio didn't have a lot of golf courses. They had two. A quick assessment of those was made, and it was determined that uh, a new course would have to be built for the Games. They were in no shape to host Olympic golf. A site at Marapendi, close to the main Olympic Park, was identified fairly quickly. British architect Martin Hotry had routed a course on that site several years before, but no course was built. And after an in-depth competition that attracted entries from golf architects from all over the world, American designer Gil Hance was chosen to design the Olympic course back in 2012. A short time later, Gil Hance was a guest right here on Tee Green, and we talked to him a little bit about his thoughts, philosophy, and career before we actually talked about building the golf course. Here it is. A lot of golf course architects that we've talked to got into the, that area of the business because of family. Their father may have been a golf course architect or grandfather or uncles. How did you get your start?
11: Well, I had uh, none of those advantages. I always say that you know, there's sort of three ways to get in, either through family uh, or to be a touring pro, which I'm certainly not, or you study landscape architecture. And I was very fortunate to go to Cornell uh, I was a couple of years behind Tom Doak, and uh, you know Robert Trent Jones, Sr. was there in the 30s, and you know, I was there in the late 80s. There have been a handful of other golf architects who have come out of Cornell who have applied their study of landscape architecture specifically for golf course design, and you know the faculty there were very accommodating. Tom Griswold, who worked for Tom Fazio for many years, uh, was mm. in his final year, and when I saw that he was applying his design studies for that. I'd always doodled golf holes, but never thought it was a realistic career path until I uh, met Tom and saw that that's what he was doing. And uh, at that point in time, just switched gears and uh, worked maintenance my first summer at Cornell, worked uh, construction for Tom Doak. Second summer, won a scholarship and spent a year in Great Britain, six months living in Scotland, six months living in England. And Toured and studied and sketched and drew and just looked at all those great golf courses over there, which really sort of set the, the base for what I believe in golf course design.
2: What was your first course to actually do?
11: Well, actually, it was over in Scotland. It was the uh, Crail Golfing Society. While I was there um, on that scholarship, I, I became very good friends with the golf program, Lenny, and uh, he always kept me in the loop. Crail the seventh oldest club in the world. They have an old Tom Morris golf course, and they were going to build a second course, and uh, Graham sort of let me work on land planning, figuring out how much ground they needed for the golf course, and then there was a, a competition at that point in time. We won that competition, and, you know, Built our first solo golf course in Scotland is really, it was an amazing honor and a great yeah. experience.
2: That's not a bad place to start, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and
11: then we've uh, subsequently actually built a second course over there, uh, co-designed with Mark Parson in at uh, Castle Stewart up in Inverness. Right. So we are uh, really blessed to have, have had the opportunity to spend a lot of time not only learning and, and exploring uh, you know, the roots of the game, but also now having uh, built two golf courses over there.
8: Gil, uh, depending on what architect or architect firm you're talking about, there are certain people, Ben Crenshaw would be one that tries to move as little earth as possible, and then you've got some other people that'll do whatever they they need to create what they want to do, and then there's people in between, and this has to do with sometimes with renovations too. Where do you fall? Do you try and let the lay of the land do as much as it can and work from there, or where's your starting point normally?
11: Uh, yeah, that's I think part of the experience of of studying and living in Scotland um, was to try to uncover how those architects utilize the natural features of the ground into the the strategy. So much like Bill Coor and Ben Crenshaw, we um, try very hard to maximize whatever natural advantages the site has. So you know, and some sites don't have any. Um, you know, they're either reclaimed or fairly flat, et cetera. But you know, we really work hard to try to utilize those advantages have them in some way or shape or form dictate the strategy because I think those sort of nuances and subtlety when you allow the ground and the contours to help provide the strategy and a lot of architects sort of put hazards or bunkers uh, in placement for strategy but I think that allowing the actual topography to be part and parcel of the design is really critical. So we we start along those lines and then um, you know if there are certain parts of the site that don't have natural advantages, we don't have any hesitation in trying to go ahead and shape them and mold them and make them look and feel natural. You know, we've had this conversation before, but one of the things is you know, sort of us minimalist architects, you know, I, I think we're almost perfectly suited if we have a maximalist site where we really have to move a lot of earth because we spend so much time and effort trying to preserve and protect natural features that if we're called upon to create them, we've spent a lot of time actually looking at them.
0: Gil
2: Hans Hans Associates, golf course architects doing the 2016 golf course for the Rio Olympic Games. Gil, when you first started out, what sort of goals did you have for yourself and your company, and where were you aiming at that point?
11: Well, I think, you know, I, I had a great four years working for Tom Doak, and Tom is as talented as anybody who practices out there, and uh, so I had... You know the opportunity to learn from him and to um, you know observe his ambitions uh, with respect to golf course design, but also sort of soak up you know what he had learned from Pete Dye. In order to really design a golf course, you need to understand how to build it. So we mm. spend a ton of time out on site. I still get up and down off a bulldozer, which is the favorite part of the job for me. Uh, my partner Jim Wagner is on an excavator. 90% of the time as well. So I think it's sort of that building, that craftsmanship is what we try to look at when we get on involved with the design. So when you have that methodology, you necessarily limit yourself to how many jobs you take on. So... It was never our ambition to be the biggest golf course designers in the world. We always wanted to sort of handcraft one or two golf courses a year, whether it be new courses or renovation, restoration. And, you know, we've sort of quietly gone about our business, hopeful that somebody would pay attention and notice that we were Mm -hmm. doing quality work.
2: Yeah, somebody's paying attention, that's for sure. That's uh, Gil Hance from an interview we did back Shortly after his firm, Hans Associates, won the bid and was awarded the job of creating the new golf course for the return of the Olympic Games, uh, for the return of golf to the Olympic Games, here in 2016 in Rio de Janeiro. The course is called the Reserva Maripendi. It's about five kilometers away from the Olympic Village. After the games, the course will become open to the public in order to help develop the sport in Brazil. And that was part one of the interview we did with Gil Hans. We'll play part two in our next segment
8: right after the yeah. break. Golf uh, making its first return since 1904. Um, the uh, two tournaments, the men's will be playing on uh, August 11th to the 14th, which is a, a normal Thursday through Sunday. And then the women will be uh, the following week on Wednesday through Saturday, 17th through the 20th. Uh of course, NBC is the uh, network of the Olympics, and the Golf Channel is owned by NBC Universal. so the Golf Channel will be having the coverage of that uh, wrapped around the other things they've got going on. Um, the U.S. Senior Open is the same week as the uh, men's uh, event there, and then uh, the uh, men's tour, the regular tour, especially during the women's, uh, is the week of the Wyndham Championship, which is the final week of the regular season of the PGA Tour. So Golf Channel will fit all that together, especially in those early days.
2: Yeah, like we said, a, a lot of a lot of golf still to be played. Usually this time of year with the Masters, the, the U.S. Open, the British Open out of the way, things kind of slow down a little bit, but it's going to pick well, up Well, and here. things
8: have to be tightened up. The yeah. PGA Championship is next week already, you know, because they had to push that up yeah. because of the Olympics this year. Part two
2: of our interview with Gil in Our next segment, we'll talk a little bit about... The actual construction of the course itself, they began in 2012. The grow-in took place in 2014 and last year. They actually played a couple of events. We will be back with more from Gil Hance. It's Tita Green, Jan, and Jerry from the Broadmoor. Back after this.
7: Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Pull out your smartphone and Shazam this now. Go ahead. I'll wait geico presents the shazam 15 featuring the top 15 shazam songs in the u.s make sure you shazam now to check it out interact with geico to gecko yourself and share it with friends you can even get a free quote shazam now and experience more with geico the shazam 15 brought to you by geico geico 15 minutes could save you 15 or more on car insurance Geico presents Sharing versus Oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon
1: shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, said emojis to express his feelings about the plot twist, and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows? Dude, Oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't befriended you, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
13: Just
0: tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a roof. Time to work on your short game. Tee to Green helps you get it up and down. The Broadmoor is one of the world's premier resorts and the longest holder of the prestigious AAA Five Diamond Award. This 3,000 acre property has 700 rooms and suites.
4: Hi, I'm Mark Hevel, the head golf pro at the Broadmoor, and today I want to talk to you about teaching aids, the first one being just a plain, ordinary towel, and this is used primarily for the short game. Put it across your chest and put it under each arm. What this allows you to do is maintain the triangle through the chipping area, and it keeps your arms nice and taut to the body where you're not breaking your wrists and so on and so forth. Secondly is a head cover, just a plain, ordinary cloth head cover that you put under your right arm, if you're a righty, to cure a flying elbow coming over the top of your swing where the club is pointing toward the first baseman. You want to avoid that at all costs. This will keep the right elbow to the side, and you'll be down the line much, much better.
2: For more on taking strokes off of your game, check out the website, t2greenradio.com or visit your local PGA professional. Destination listening for dedicated golfers. It's t to Green, live and in real time on the Internet at sportsbyline.com. This show repeats at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays, at sportsbyline.com. You can check out our website, t2greenradio.com, and lots of different platforms, including iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and uh, the g- cable radio network to hear T2green as well. Jay Ritchie alongside Jerry Butenoff from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Our flagship station here in Colorado Springs is Extra Sports 1300. Extra Sports 1300 with Tita Green. Golf returning to the Olympics in a couple of weeks for the first time since St. Louis in 1904. That was decided back in 2009. The IOC uh, gave golf a chance in 2016. The problem was in Rio de Janeiro where the games were to be held, there were no golf courses. So they held a worldwide competition and a lot of folks threw their hat in the ring. It was somewhat of a major surprise at the time. But the American company, headed up by Gil Hance, Hance Associates, was chosen to design that course. Shortly after Hance won the bid, he appeared on Tea and talked about building the Olympic golf course. Los Angeles Country Club, the Boston Golf Club, TPC Boston, Rustic Canyon in Moore Park, California, the Blue Monster, Doral in Miami, the Denver Country Club, Waverly Country Club in Portland, Oregon. Some of the golf courses that have been designed renovated, or restored by Hans Associates. And you can add to that list the 2016 Rio Olympic Games course in Rio de Janeiro. Hans Associates won the bid process to design that course. And Gil Hans from Hans Associates on the line with us as we continue. Gil, when the bid process first began, what did you think of of your chances, of Hans Associates' chances?
11: Um, Well, you know, we knew we would be going up against uh, any number of golf course architects and obviously some of the biggest names in the business. And Jim Wagner and I talked an awful lot about whether we wanted to pursue it. And at the end of the day, we thought, you know, the quality of our work would stand up. And um, if we were given the opportunity to put out a full presentation, that, you know, we might emerge successful.
2: What did you think did it for you?
11: You know, I... I think that uh, during the presentation, we had a three-pronged approach. Amy Alcott, who was working with us on the design, uh, talked an awful lot about the legacy, about growing the game in Brazil and in Rio and and what this golf course and academy could do in that respect. And then uh, Owen Larkin, our environmental partner, uh, spent a lot of time talking about environmental sustainability, which was very important to the folks down in Rio. And then myself, I spoke uh, about the design and the concept and, and really focused more on what we believe in golf course architecture. I mean, we felt anybody could kind of walk through hole by hole and describe what they were doing, but we wanted to talk about the broader picture. And I think the fact that we concentrated so much on the legacy aspect, we all know that those two weeks in August will be where this course is judged critically. But the long-term success of this, while that may not be in the spotlight, is really what was most important to the Brazilian contingent. Um, You know, they didn't want to build something that would be basically useless after the Olympics. Mm. And and when you think about it, you know, from a venue standpoint, an Olympic golf course that's accessible to the public gives people the opportunity to compete and be out in the field of play. We're, We're Really, no other sport offers you that opportunity. So I think that was exciting. And then ultimately, you know, the clincher, we believe, was our commitment uh, for myself to move uh, with my wife, Tracy, and our youngest daughter, Kaylee, down to Brazil for the actual construction of the project and to be on site through through the design.
8: Gil, uh, did you deal more with the actual uh, Rio organizing committee or more with the IOC, or how did that break down?
11: The jury that was uh, weighing all of the proposals was uh, Rio 2016, which was their organizing committee, and and the International Golf Federation, which is sort of the umbrella organization over the PGA Tour, the USGA, RNA, etc. And Peter Dawson, the head of the RNA, was the one who sat on the panel representing the IGF. So those were the you know the the two bodies that had the primary representation. You know, the Golf Advisory Committee, which was made up of Brazilians, who basically consulted for the 2016 committee, were very golf-savvy and and golf-knowledgeable. So there was a lot of um, high golf IQ, not only with Peter Dawson, but also with the Golf Advisory Committee weighing all of the the eight proposals.
8: Gil, tell us where the course is as far as is it in town or or off out out of the city a little bit?
11: You know, the site is in the city. It's in the section of Rio called Baja which is uh, on the western, southwestern side of town. It's where the city is growing out in that direction. So it's it's an amazing location from the standpoint of access to the Olympic villages in Baja. Ten or 12 more of the venues for the Olympics are in Baja. So Baja will be the the center of of the Olympic activity. And so from that standpoint, it's great that uh, the golf course is very close.
2: I mentioned uh, several courses at the beginning of this segment that you've you've either designed or renovated or restored. Are you going to be able to take a few of those ideas and use them down in Rio? Sure.
11: Yeah, I think, um, you know, for those who look closely at the plans, there's an awful lot of Los Angeles Country Club in there. Um, You know, we learned a ton. Uh, George Thomas is just an absolute genius, and being able to uncover what he did uh, just has made us better golf course architects. But any project we work on from a renovation, restoration standpoint, we we really just try to take into mind what those architects, whether it's Ross, Tillinghast, McKenzie, et cetera, had put into their designs and we can you know put that back, but when we go on and build our own new golf courses, we can take what we liked, borrow we borrow liberally from those guys because they were <laughs> they were fantastic.
2: Building a regular golf course is one thing. Building a golf course where not only are the greatest golfers in the world going to play it, but you're going to have fans and thousands of them there for the Olympic Games themselves. What sort of complications does that add, or does it?
11: You know, it's always been our opinion that we want to design the best possible golf course we can. You know, everybody's going to focus on what happens between the ropes, and I think if you sacrifice the quality of the golf course in order to make accommodations for what happens outside of the ropes, that's not a great great way to approach the design. So yes, we're cognizant of what needs to happen, but obviously the, the Olympics you know, security concerns are going to be paramount, um, more so than a regular tour event. You know, it's our goal to make sure that if we can move the golfers through the landscape properly, we feel like we can also accommodate the spectators, but our goal is really to try to produce the best golf course we can inside the ropes and The rest of it is a part of the process, but it's not the most important part of the process.
2: That's Gil Hance from the T. to Green Archives talking about building the best course they could for the return of golf to the Olympic Games. The world will get a chance to see that course in just a couple of weeks when play begins. It's called the Reserve Marapendi in uh, Rio de Janeiro, built by Gil Hance. Gil Hance Associates, the architect behind the design. It's a par 71 course. It has a capacity for 2,500 seated spectators and 17,000 standing and walking, which should allow the sport to get plenty of much-needed exposure worldwide. Golf Channel will do the coverage, and uh, I—I've I, read a couple of reviews on the course, Jerry. I've seen photos of it, and it's—it uh, looks like it's going to be just an amazing course. I don't know how golf. Is going to be, but certainly the venue is not going to hurt the return of golf to the Olympics.
8: Yeah, it should be a good-looking uh, feast for the people uh, watching it on television. Of course, Rio is one of the uh, uniquely beautiful cities in the whole world, and uh, uh, you know uh, the the NBC and all the other television networks around the world that are televising that event are are going to have. Uh, uh, it's going to be great for viewers all over the world all the you know, topography that Rio has to offer and everything, and I'm sure the golf course will fit right in there. Uh, you mentioned um, one of the places that he's done some re- renovation work, the Los Angeles Country Club, will be hosting the U.S. Open in, uh, I think, 2021 20, or 22, one of those two years. I believe the north course there. So uh, first time that uh, the L.A. Country Club has hosted something big like that in a long time, and a lot of that has to do with uh, some of Gil's work there, too.
2: Yeah. Golf is getting, of course, a, a trial run here in 2016 and again four years from now in 2020 in japan and so uh, you know they don't have a, a large window of opportunity to to make an impression on the olympic folks and on the rest of the world this year's event of course it notable for those more notable right now anyway for those skipping the event rather than for those who will be be playing uh, the likes of of course uh, Uh, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, and um, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, Louis Ustazen, uh, Adam Scott, uh, Charles Schwartzel, just some of those who will not be playing in the Olympics this year. But uh, the U.S. Shane
8: Lowry also has pulled out. He's had a great year on both sides of the Atlantic. Brandon Grace. Yep.
2: The U.S. team will consist of Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed, Matt Kuchar on the men's side, Lexi Thompson, Stacey Lewis, Jarena Piller on the ladies' side.
8: Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, uh, to see, uh, you know, who, who comes forth and, and wins that. And, and, uh, the, and, and you mentioned a trial run uh, for people that don't know how the IOC sort of uh, works things. When they put a new sport into the Olympics, it's not permanent. Uh, it's for one or two Olympic Games, and then they reassess to see what happens after that. So Tokyo is locked in for 2020. Sometime between now and the Tokyo Games, they'll make a decision on golf for 2024. And uh, the same thing you know, for all the other sports. Um, you, you may, uh, you know, There's a big controversy about um, baseball and softball being dropped. They are in the mix to try and get back in in future games now.
2: The format for Olympic golf, no different than what we see on the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour week-to-week, 72-hole stroke play. That may be uh, just tinkered with a little bit before the 2020 games.
8: Yeah, that. in fact, uh, I, I think it will in some form because a lot of people have uh, you know, said, well, it's just another tournament except it's a limited field of 60 players. As well. And it's
2: not going to be team competition at all. It'll be individual competition with a chance to win a gold, silver, or bronze medal. Exactly. Jerry's gonna take us on tour when we come back. Lots of golf, as we mentioned, being played all around the world this week, and we are in a busy time for golf. Jerry taking us on tour as we continue from the Broadmoor. This is T Degree. Green.
6: 800-949-8707 800-949-8707
2: It is the fastest hour in radio, the quickest hour in golf. Tita Green continues. Jerry, taking us on tour.
8: The second actual or biannual now uh, international crown at the Merit Club women's uh, team event. Kind of confusing here. They didn't finish yesterday. Mm. Uh, The two matches between the uh, Korean and Australian teams did not complete. So that will affect what happens today as... um, they still have to decide there's going to be three countries involved in the playoff for that fifth spot to get into today's singles matches. Wow. Um, somehow Spain, which won for, the first one two years ago, didn't qualify. Um, the players from England, China, and Taiwan racked up enough points on the inner on the European and it. Asian tours to knock Spain out, and it's, it's not like those Spain, Spanish girls have had a bad year. No. Uh, you know, so I don't know how that happened. Anyway, the good news for the Team USA is they have qualified for the Sunday singles oh, this time. Well, they did good. not do that a couple of years ago. And uh, England has nine points, and that carries over. They will be the leading team going into today. And the way it works is uh, one player from every team. Uh, team will play one other from all the the other four countries and we get a winner Uh, senior british open miguel angel jimenez with a seven under 65 yesterday leapfrogged into the lead at minus 11 four better than paul broadhurst west short tom byram and joe durant right now they're about midway through the final round jimenez still has the lead at minus 12 scott mccarran is 3-under for the day. He's at minus 9. Broadhurst is at minus 8. And on the regular tour, the Canadian Open, uh, that's at the Carnoustie, by the way, Uh, the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey, Brent Snedeker, another one of those really good players that hasn't won a major yet. 66 yesterday, boosted him to 9-under. That's one shot better than Dustin Johnson. And Canadian amateur Jordan Dutois, Hmm. also of Arizona State also one back okay
2: nice job here and thanks to scott cuddy as well nice job in master control today i'm gonna close today's show by dedicating the broadcast to the memory of dorothy Ritchie, who passed away this week after 87 and a half wonderful years she didn't know much about golf but she believed in her son
8: yep and good without, lady
2: without Tita to green without her there wouldn't be a Tita to green today so thanks mom Till next time,
9: hit them long, hit them straight.